Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. Fence! The story is about a book, and one that doesn't tell a singular story like uh, most of us expected. Uh, It continues to pad an ever-growing epic we could justify nicknaming the Mandoverse. Uh, Now, a couple of weeks beyond the finale of the Book of Boba Fett season one, or maybe the series, I guess we'll find out, felt like a lot of people uh, considered it to be a mixed bag overall. Definitely had highlights, though, and we're going to go over some of those by counting down our top six favorite things about this season of TV. So, Ross, um, what are your lasting feelings about The Boba Show now that you've had a couple of weeks to reflect? How do you feel about it overall? Overall, I was pleased with it, and it was enjoyable, and there were certain episodes that I think are going to be extremely rewatchable. So, as an overall, I, I can't... Uh, complain with what we got. I am completely surprised with what we got compared to what I thought we were getting and what I guess we were kind of all, what we were, I believe we were led to believe. Uh, There were some subtle murmurs about Mando season 2.5, but that I think should have been extremely, uh, I think that should have just been straight up discussed in in the promotional material to, uh, or maybe name the show something different. So overall, Uh, I don't think I'm going to look back on the collective book of Boba Fett if this is all we get as one of uh, my favorite pieces of Star Wars by any means. But when it comes to Star Wars, I I like all of it. Uh, And the only reason it wouldn't be is because it feels extremely disjointed and doesn't feel like its own thing more than anything. Uh, It feels uh, very... Uh, kind of episodic in the way that you would look at the Clone Wars and it being difficult to evaluate an overall view of the Clone Wars because there are parts of it you love, parts of it maybe you don't like. Uh, Whereas I found that even in Mando, there's consistency within the two seasons, even within the one season, there was consistency to view it with a singular lens. I can't view Book of Boba Fett with a singular lens. And so that's why I would say maybe put it on a lower level of my Star Wars things. But in going over all the things I loved, there are so many. And so I, I still am, am, am very pleased with what we got. Can we expect this from other non-Skywalker Star Wars storytelling going forward for all of this bleeding of other characters in? Like, obviously, it's okay to meld the worlds. But to this degree, does Star Wars rely too heavily on a singular hero? Who, in this case, I'm, I'm referring to to din the mandalorian like does it too desperately need to cling to one story in order to do these side stories we are i think just dipping our toes into the water of oh my god this is poorly named oh my god (laughs) i think this is what everything is going to be and to be honest uh I think what you just said is is extremely spot on. The Mandalorian, I think, will continue to be less and less about Justin Jaren, although he'll be the main character. I mean, Grogu was immediately introduced in, in the first episode. And so then I love the viewpoint of Grogu actually being the titular character right. uh, in a way. Uh, but that's not what they were going for, I don't believe, when they named that show in the even smallest f- fragment. But, really? No, I, I don't believe, I think that's something that evolved. I think like, Grogu's um, foundling nature, I think, because there's so much of the Mandalorian culture that they've changed through the Mandalorian that would not be the original seed for the idea. The seed is simply Boba Fett finds a baby Yoda and it changes him. Right, that's but so, so doesn't that indicate that it was always going to be a, a this like love story about a little baby Yoda. Like, but I don't necessarily think that the story was supposed to be about this potential baby Yoda being the heir to Mandalore. Though, I see. Yes. Uh, where that Din and Grogu are now essentially like they have the dark saber. They have the right to lay claim to the planet Mandalore literally already in 16 <laughs> so, episodes. Like, they pulled it, that off. Exactly. And so that right there goes to show that the show, I don't think was, I don't think that it was intending to necessarily go this way when it was conceptualized. And I'm okay with that. I think that's similar to what we're getting with the rest of things. Mm -hmm. I think 
Andor will not just be about Cassian Andor. I think it's going to be something whereas he'll be the main character, but there will be other characters that get a decent amount of screen time. Uh, and I think way, way, way more so, Ahsoka is shaping up to be a Rebels sequel. And Ahsoka yeah. was a character in Rebels, but Ahsoka was not one of the main characters in Rebels, the way she was the main character in The Clone Wars. But she's going to be a main character in this show, but, and she's probably going to be the main character, but it's shaping up to be a show that has an ensemble of potentially five main characters. And a show called Ahsoka, you wouldn't necessarily think that, a la Book of Boba Fett and Boba Fett just being kind of one of the many in this. Right, but Obi-Wan Kenobi and to an extent also Ahsoka have the benefit of being a part of the Skywalker saga now. Like they mm -hmm. they directly dip their toes in that very comfortable pool where Star Wars doesn't feel like it's experimenting. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what gets them away with a little bit easier than this, being able to call themselves something like Ahsoka or Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi, I think we'll get away with it more so than anything because the a, a, a main other characters are all Skywalkers, likely. Uh, not necessarily the main characters that we'll see on screen, but likely the ones influencing the plot, whether it's a uh, Luke protection or if Leia's involved, but we know Anakin's going to be involved. Those things are going to influence it. So you can kind of get away with it being, and I, I think it's going to be a very Obi-Wan centric show and it's going to be short. So they can't really pull off having a two episode uh, detour about Dinjar in the same way that True. they did in this. But then again, seven episodes, if that's all the Book of Boba Fett is, did it really get away with pulling off its two episode no, swerve? It didn't. I, it didn't. No. It didn't get away with it uh, in the eyes of most people. It was extremely enjoyable, but it just didn't make a ton of sense. It is apt, I think, in this episode of the podcast where we're going to celebrate the Book of Boba Fett that we're in the preamble just talking about uh, Din Djarin and Skywalkers. We're just talking about other characters other than Boba Fett. Um, we will talk about him some more in the next hour. I'm going to start uh, with my number sixth favorite thing uh, about this season uh, of TV. And I think it's Chris Anton, who you'll remember, I had no frame of reference for. This guy is brand new to me. He was a canonical character pre-existing, but like brand new to me. And I just can't believe it's taken this long for them to introduce a new Wookiee character into the mainstream. With Chrysanthemum, I think we have an opportunity uh, to do what we could never do with Chewie, which is actually be brutal. Like you've got so much sentimentality stocked up in this character of Chewie that frankly, his nature was kind of neutered for the audience. And he is quite literally just like a a dog, a, a, a teddy bear. And when you see hmm. him... Uh, almost get blown out of the sky in episode nine, your heart hurts. And that's not going to happen. Like, I kind of thought that Chrysanthemum maybe got killed in the big street battle in the Boba Fett finale, and I wasn't heartbroken. And actually, I'm thrilled that he's back so that can continue. I've got no stock built up in him, but he's just a damn badass. Yeah, that's a great choice. Uh, huge honorable mention for me, his presence, his introduction, the back-to-tank fight, yeah. Uh, and but most of all, his incredibly ridiculous survival rate. It, it doesn't make sense. Uh, every time they flash to him, he's like, oh, well, there's the end of uh, the number of nicknames he's developed as well. Uh, Santo, Santi, um, BK, I've heard a lot of people refer to him Black as, Chris which is all, which also totally works. Um, I think Santi is is his oldest nickname. I like it. Uh, but yeah, Black Chrysanthemum has... Uh, made his way from comic to uh, big screen in a really cool way. Uh, and it was subtle the way it was done, uh, kind of alongside the the twins and then having him like, is that going to be all of them? But then he's able to kind of come back. And it's, it's just this character who you ne aren't necessarily expecting to come back and consistently comes back. And even at the end, you're just not expecting him to die. I would love it if that becomes kind of the recurring thing with Dr. Yeah. Sanson, whereas you expect him to consistently die or he just appears out of nowhere consistently. Like I'm okay with that being a shtick for a character where it's just, okay, Black Sanson is somehow consistently living through everything, but they need to, con they need to add scars to him. He's already scarred up. Add some more. I want to see some big scars because he likely got a few in that problem. Well, well that plays exactly into what I'm trying to celebrate about this guy because it's a show that I've often said I, I don't feel too emotionally attached to, although there were emotional moments in the show. Like one of the good things about Boba Fett for me was that it was actually kind of like a free pass 
for a show to not be precious and perfect. And Black Chrysanthemum's a perfect symbol of that because like, I, I think one of the things I like about him is that I don't care about him. Yeah, beat the shit out of him. He just looks good. And so that made for fun entertainment for me. Why do they call him Black Chrysanthemum? Is it like, is there a brown chrysanthemum? I have no idea. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, maybe he's one of like, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I have I have no idea. Just maybe sounds, black is, is sounds a, tough. Yeah, or maybe it's a rarer Wookiee pelt uh, tone, and that like I have no idea why that's his name. But yeah, it's it's likely due to the fact that it's more ominous than a singular Kersantan or Chewbacca. Right. Uh, what is your number six? My number six uh, is probably one that when you first heard about this show, you wouldn't expect to put at your number six. You would maybe expect to put a little bit higher. Uh, but I think is is an appropriate place for it. And it's actually seeing Boba inside the Sarlacc. Cool. And so that would be seeing the, like this gaseous in, environment around him and the stormtrooper that's slightly decaying and needed to hook up to his oxygen and then bursting through the sand. Uh, it just, it overall, it was extremely satisfying. Uh, it got the world, it got the internet uh, very excited about the the similarities to the Patton Oswalt description of what would happen. Uh, it's it's exactly what you would expect to happen. There's there's nothing remarkable about it, but it it's still remarkable to finally see inside uh, Schrodinger's box. Yeah, and so you actually are fine. Like, and that's what it's, it's commonly been referred to as that. Like in terms of his return when Canon was created again in the Disney purchase, Boba very much became Schrodinger's cat. And it's a matter of he can be dead or alive. And that's the great part because he was in Legends, but he in film canon, he is dead. And so it, it's really fun to actually get that sneak peek on something that has existed since 1983 in a lot of people's minds, because a lot of people, including me, didn't really care too much about Legends um, when it was the expanded universe. So. Right. I think that's so true. I think that Star Wars wants to be very tempered in its decision to retcon character deaths because they have done it a couple of times now. But at the same time, I don't know, there's been some, they, they seem to do it only when the character is just too badass not to welcome back into the fold. And obviously the other example is, is Darth Maul. Um, and so, yeah, if the fans want it and we've already kind of like concocted how it's going to happen, why not satisfy everybody with, showing it because i mean it's a it's it was a lousy thing to do to this character who had like great promise and they had built this other backstory involving the clone wars that he ultimately deserves uh a swan song and so yeah i think that's really cool the just the design of it is really amazing too and the melting of the stormtrooper is a nice touch and it kind of lends a whole new context to exactly what was meant when when 3PO said you're going to be digested over you know however many centuries or whatever. Yeah, you will find a a new definition of pain and suffering or something. Right. And so yeah, it, it is pretty darn gross, uh, but pretty satisfying. Although see. a quick dip in the back to tank is all that it really takes to to recover. Uh, I don't know. It looked like it was several weeks of yes, like recurring does. back to therapy. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Actually, after several years of being a Tuscan too, so that probably doesn't help. My number five is another return of the Jedi beast. It's all the Rancor stuff in the book of Boba Fett. Uh, this whole series is predicated on fan service. That's just a fact. And I think that's um, a dangerous medium to track traffic in exclusively. You, because if you're only doing stuff to satisfy the fans who you already have, you might be getting away from telling a good or important story. But I think the Rancors are the perfect temperament of fan service because it really only is there to to serve the effort to feel more like a very specific era and ilk of Star Wars uh, that we would love to rediscover, which is Tatooine circa just after Return of the Jedi. The Huts didn't really work for me in this show, the twins, uh, but I don't know, the Rancor was really fun. Plus, we've talked a lot about how uh, Star Wars should get back to its uh, creature of the Black Lagoon milieu. It can be a monster movie, uh, involving a Black Lagoon thing with the with the Rancor. It can also be a Godzilla movie with the Rancor. So it kind of gets to be both kinds of monster movie in this series alone. And so I loved it. 
Yeah, I was really glad you put this in because it was uh, another one of my honorable mentions. And, and it, it's crazy that the Rancor was, but you also get Danny Trejo as well. Oh, yeah, and yeah. the the sequence of uh, Grogu taming the Rancor and calming him down and then taking a little nap next to him. Uh, just everything. And also Din failing miserably when fighting the Rancor. Uh, there is, it's just, it was used really well. Uh, Boba, you you kind of forget a little bit about it when Boba leaves. I mean, you're it makes sense that like oh, Boba arrives with the Rancor and, and you're able to piece it together. But they do leave it off in the background long enough that it's able to kind of digest a little bit and then be a bit of a nice surprise when it's returned, even if you are expecting it. Uh, especially the obvious, uh, I want to ride it, and that being yeah. like the one major leak from Book of Boba Fett that he rides a Rancor. Um, but overall, it was. Uh, really cool to see the destruction capabilities they had they needed to they didn't need to have a new rancor delivered they could have into because jabba had multiple okay but under that premise most people wouldn't know that right and so that's why they needed to have a new one but then again i thought there was a huge huge waste of danny trejo it was a missed opportunity to not cut back in episodes five or six at some point to do a three minute scene where Danny Trejo is teaching Boba Fett how like just, just a little bit of dog training with the Rancor and it's a fun little scene. Uh, and I think that that would have given it a little extra push, but I know why they didn't so that people would forget. Those. I think that they can bring Trejo back. If anyone in the Mandoverse needs a like Tatooine based zoologist, if, if anybody needs to like ask a guy about a, about a creature. Yeah. Call up Danny Trejo and have him be that person. Great thinking. That's yeah. a, an absolutely perfect way to bring them back. And let's face it, Tatooine has a lot of creatures that they could come calling about. That's right. Uh, number five on your list. Number five on my list uh, would be the, albeit maybe too early, still wonderful to see reunion of Din and Grogu. Yeah. Uh, and this just the cute little moment of Grogu jumping into his arms uh, the reveal of Peli just being her absolute at her funniest uh, on this like great rickshaw droid. Another great callback to uh, uh, attack the clones, and so the they do the reveal there, uh, and it's just like Din is so surprised and caught off guard. It's just such a, a wonderful wholesome moment, uh, and it go it was maybe a little too early uh, in that it's not even occurring in the Mandalorian, uh, but it was really nice way for the two of them to to make their reunion so that makes my number five yeah i don't know if it's filoni or favreau or, or or what it is but these guys do not seem to have any interest in in forcing us to wait for anything like they want it they want to give us their <laughs> their payoff as soon as possible and that probably is robbing something from the story um but i guess if you're going to bring din back it's very hard not to bring grogu back because that's kind of what his whole world revolves around and so regardless it's what we all showed up for it's what we were missing for those first three or four episodes of boba fett and so mm. great and maybe they have another idea for the next chapter of the din and grogu chronicles you know they might just be like well let's just get the show on the road because we got another story we want to tell yeah, it could be really about focusing on Din's journey with the Darksaber as well a little bit uh, because his, I mean, we don't necessarily get to see his growth away from Grogu so much, but we do get to see his growth in letting go of Grogu. Uh, Grogu made the decision to come back to him. Yes. He made the decision that, okay, I won't see Grogu. I'll let Ahsoka also deliver the package as well. And so like overall, I, I thought... It was executed well, but was maybe too quick for the audience. Uh, well, and, and also the Scorpionek droids chasing them in the background was a great touch. What I'll say about suspense in terms of Grogu's growth, I am never concerned that a Rancor is going to hurt Grogu. I'm never concerned that uh, that Moff Gideon is going to hurt Grogu. Like it's well established. This kid is powerful. He's more powerful than anything else. And so I'm, I'm worried, I guess, that it's going to hurt if and when Mando is uh, mortally wounded near Grogu. That's going to suck, but that's coming down the road, and mm. it's certainly not going to happen in the Book of Boba Fett. Um, I'm not worried about Grogu, but what was nerve-wracking was maybe he would choose not to be with Mando. 
you know, and and mm. they didn't do that. <laughs> and very quickly, they didn't do that. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense for him to sure. choose the life of the Jedi. He's so. But he yeah, did I mean, leave. He did leave and it hurt your feelings and you and you yeah. felt emotional about it once, but they didn't make you sit in that for very long. Yeah. And which is also nice to know that that's what Grogu chose as well. Yeah, that's right. My number four is Mando getting a new ship. I love the Razor Crest. Um, it was kind of like- My number four too. Oh, great. Good. It's kind of like Din. The Razor Crest is kind of like Din driving like a cube van. You're like, I see why you need this. It's a cool looking mm. ship. And it was cool when it got blown up. But- the the N one is like a sports car, and and the whole greased lightning sequence where he rebuilds it um, gives us an opportunity to, as you kind of mentioned a second ago, uh, to warm up to Peli a little bit more. They install that little co-pilot's bubble for Grogu, which is just so perfect. It's it's a great poster now. The two of them with their little heads in the windows, flying through space in a space Corvette. It's, I was always a fan of the N1 that it now kind of has a more rugged appeal. It's perfect for Mando. Uh, I think it's, I think it's good. I'm, 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 I'm really glad that they've traded it in for a new whip. Yeah. It's like a little Jetsons Miata. Kind of. It's just flying through the sky and the Grogu being in that little bubble. It is so perfect. Star Wars. It's so, uh, 80s and its design it's amazing that they're able to take the n1 and they're putting it in the original trilogy time era and they're making it look like an original trilogy ship but it is not it is from the prequels and yeah. it was like crapped on by a lot of people but no it's cool hand sculpted design has an actual impact to the storyline as to why Din likes it, because it means it's pre-Empire. It shows mm. that it's like it's got the ability to put in these customizations because it's not a mass built design. And it has the it has a um, uh, what's it called? A hyperdrive without having to use a hyper ring and like just a bunch of like all these logical things as to. Yeah, that is exactly the ship in all of the ships that Din could pick that makes the most sense. It's Absolutely. it's the perfect fit for him in this use case. And also, he no not he no longer needs the baggage of the Razor Crest because he's not a bounty hunter anymore. True. So it, it's just it, it's not what he is. And we saw him bounty hunting uh in his uh kind of return at the start of uh, in this season. But he's not the same kind of bounty hunter. And I don't foresee him going back to that in the Mandalorian now that he's reunited with Grogu. Uh and this uh like the Jedidote engine, it's just overall, everything about it was executed so well. Did people crap on it in the prequel era because it was yellow, because the edges were were curvy? Yeah, it was different. It was too, um, it was, it, it pro- I don't know if people said this, but people probably said it was too Jetsons-y. It's too uh, cartoonish. It's not rugged the way an X-Wing is with these like fold-out wings and it looks very beat. Like, but that's the thing. People didn't like the prequels because they were so different and the lived-in galaxy vibe and the grays of the Empire. Those things uh, logically... Like they weren't as as thought through, but then again, it was also the first movie in a trilogy. So you're not able to see the progression from this beautiful galaxy into the empire that you see as episode, like towards the end of Revenge of the Sith. One of my favorite parts about that movie is the way it progresses into uh, the start of this grayed out Imperial empire. Well, and fans had never seen Naboo before, which is very yeah. fixated on aesthetic and things looking beautiful. Man, I mm. really, I would really love to see them return to Naboo. It seemed so significant so long ago. I don't know if we'll get an opportunity to go there in uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Padme's not alive anymore, but, you know, uh, there there is still a line to draw between Anakin and Naboo as his past. I, I think they need to resurrect those old sets. I think you're like once again. I still think it's the 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 ripest area of Star Wars to to tell us a story in terms of what we want to know is is young Palpatine. Yep. And young Palpatine is going to take place a lot on Naboo for sure. And so I think that's a prime opportunity. Uh, but you're right. I think there's a, a if we're going and we are very likely going off world in Kenobi. I think that makes a lot of sense uh, to maybe choose a place like Naboo, uh, or maybe we'll see it in Andor. Uh, but I think it needs to. I think it needs to make its return. Uh, and also, it was great to see the N1 go through Beggars Canyon. 
also. Oh yes, yes. That was the the pod race uh location. Yeah, and then like the the Bunta Eve uh arena area and then going up flying over the Womp Rats and whatnot. It was well it, it was, was cool to see it like really fly cool. alongside X Wings too, because there's even though yeah. they're incredibly different, there is a commonality in them being like single cockpit uh vessels that, that a scar that a skywalker flew, you know? Oh yeah, that's true. Good point. Oh, I didn't really think about it that way as a uh, little Annie versus, and then of course the the spinning, which was cool. Cool trick. <laughs> yeah, spinning is a cool trick. My third favorite thing about the book of Boba Fett was the return of Cobb Vanth. Um, not that he has a ton of screen time; he has very little, and some of it he kind of gets uh, dummied. I think I could be swayed to put Cobb Vanth in a top six list of my favorite post Disney characters i know that they didn't invent the wow. character but like like in live it's action still post disney character well it is okay um he does realistically require a lot more development uh and i think that we'll get that i i'm just so i i'm very rarely this confident in a character slash actors uh fit for the universe and the role it's a Han Solo thing for me. There are like five people in the world who have that specific brand of charisma, and Timothy Oliphant is one of them. So I'm really glad this character is alive. I can't wait for him to be implemented more. I love that they are just being really genre overt with the meta casting of Timothy Oliphant. And in Book of Boba Fett, they did that like even more heavy handedly. Um, this guy is one of the coolest people on the planet, and I loved seeing him again. Another one of my honorable mentions. Great that you mentioned him. Uh, yeah, this was just so cool. The scene with the pikes where he tips over the spice and it's just like he was, it's so sheriff. And it's it's great to see the character. He's executed so well. I definitely want to do a top six and six now uh, characters uh, Disney era. Yeah. So I think that's one that we need to do. That sounds like a fun uh, six and six. Sure. But Cobb Vanth is, is awesome. He does have that swagger that is incredibly like the, it's, it's a charisma that you can't put your finger on. And the fact that they were able to get that in Star Wars for a character like Cobb Vanth that elevates him so that, yeah, he's got this cool origin story that he comes from books. But even the people that don't know about that, love him because he's so insanely charismatic on screen in his tiny frames that he gets and the fact that he's going to live and what's his what's his fate going to be is he going to be a bit of a, a mod now as well looks like he's going to be modded out in some way i guess yeah uh, is he going to have a like a robot arm maybe or a, like just a metal plated shoulder or something uh like that seemed to be where he was shot maybe he's going to have maybe he got shot in the heart i don't remember where he got shot but it looked like the upper body yeah uh, overall it, it goes it, it just leads more of okay what's next in his story i, I want to see more freetown uh, maybe he is uh going to be broadened out if they bring resurrect rangers of the new republic maybe he'll get a, a role in that to be kind of the the sheriff of all of tatooine maybe he goes flying around on some um in atmosphere cruiser and flies to different uh, parts of Tatooine and, and settles uh, difficult challenges and does well. I would say sheriff activities. Two things can't be true. He can't be the sheriff of all of Tatooine, and we're okay with there being a crime lord of Tatooine who's like kind of a hero, because he is. It's okay to celebrate that Boba Fett has like kind of gray principles because that's implicit to Boba Fett. It's also implicit to Tatooine and there's no one being uh, victimized by this. But like Cobb Vanth is very specifically virtuous. Like he, this is like a good guy through and through in like the most justified sense. <laughs> um, but uh, so I don't think that he could stand for there being crime under his thumb. But there could, there could be an interesting political story to tell about how he reckons with some of the shady stuff that happens on his watch. I think that's actually a really cool way is to do a political, like to not make it so much about the the sheriff nature of it, but do it as like a polit, like an old West, like a Western political, like thriller on Tatooine in, in some way. But the way I actually more so thought of it was if Bobo were to, um, abdicate his daimyo role right. as he kind of uh, indicated it wasn't necessarily cut out for. Uh, Black Chrysanthemum sure shit isn't, but Cobb Vanth is. And we do cut to Cobb Vanth later. Like, I mean, we go to Din Jaren right after and then we go to Cobb in, in the 
in the post-credit scene. But I don't know, that's someone who's far more fit to be the leader of, uh, of all of Tatooine. But he's not going to negotiate about. with gangsters, Cobb Vanth. Uh, my point is, like, there is no need for, there's no spice. There's right. no, like, Boba Fett cleaned up Tatooine, sure. or Mos Espa at least, not Mos Eisley. But most Aspa. And so maybe that's what maybe that's what Cobb Vance mission is. Maybe it's like, okay, these regions are good, but most Isley is the main port of uh scum and villainy on my planet. And right. uh spice will continue to flow through there and it will make its way to Freetown or something. Uh what is your number three? Uh my number three is the deceptive alternative title from the desert comes a stranger. Mm, nice one. It what it was not Cobb Vanth that was the one that got me out of my seat. It was the end of the episode when a more familiar stranger came to picture and that was the return of Cad Bane uh, and seeing that uh, silhouette from a distance, the incredible hat and just the amazing execution in live action. Uh, his return was just extremely badass. Uh, I pick, I picked this moment over the the shit talking that he he does later uh, against Boba Fett, but it was extremely cool to see him return. Even in his old age, he's quicker than Cobb Vanth and his deputy. And it this the live action representation, uh, Corey Burton doing the the slightly aged version of his voice, but keeping it as consistent as ever. Uh, Cad Bane uh, is such a badass and is one of um, my favorite uh, cartoon to um, screen depictions yet. I mean, and I know there's only been a few, uh, but I think this might be the 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 best execution uh, that we could have ever possibly hoped for for a character that is a is a very big is a character of consequence uh if you spent time in the clone wars era so uh it's also good to know that we, he's lived this much longer uh, and that we have the potential for a lot more live action cad bane prior to this point there is potential for it and i guess there's groundwork laid for that now for the more casual fan as i said it's just a bit of a, a shame that they didn't do more in this show to establish who he was like even when he arrived and you could see the hat as a silhouette and then they showed that he had uh blue face and red eyes it's almost like oh well now you get it now everyone watching the book of boba fett totally understands what we were teasing when the fact is only 10 percent of them did mm. and and so i think that's just like bad bad writing in the tease for him that said the execution of him being there was super cool and even as somebody who doesn't have a relationship to the character i just thought he was really awesome i i don't have a whole lot to say about him canonically but like i i like that he was genuinely scary and again i love that they just leaned right into the genre yeah i actually i i think everything about it was perfect in the reveal i think if you had done that in an earlier episode sure i don't i don't think it needs to be that late i don't think there's any reason for that entire sequence you have cobb vanth come in earlier just do it all earlier and you're laying the framework and then it's something where it's like oh you're not in this position where you're feeling okay i should know more about this guy because it's like episode three and you're like oh okay it's episode three i'm gonna learn more about this guy as opposed to it's episode six okay is, is this the real bad guy? And we're now going into the last, like, it, it, I totally agree on that. And that's where this is a, 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 a bias list that shows through on my end, because that's a moment that works for me, but I totally get isn't going to work on the same level by any means for a lot of other people. And that's why it's really great to see something like Black, Black or Santon on your list, because yeah. like, and, and not even on my list, because that was a moment where as soon as I saw him, I was like, ah, oh, it's Black or Santon. But I also don't have necessarily strong ties to Black or Santon stories. And so I was much more excited to see someone like Cad Bane, who is a, a, I'm a big uh, fan of. And so to be clear, your number three is Cad Bane. It's not the title from the desert comes a stranger. Uh, it's both. Okay. It's the it's it's the use of that title in the way that they're able to make that a moment. Uh, and yes. the moment is so cool in, in the way it's it's executed. So it, it's it's the it's the use of the moment. Uh, that's what I wrote. The moment from a desert comes a stranger. <laughs> well, and, and also we talked about just like the the multiple meanings 
that there that there's potential for within the phrasing of from the desert comes a stranger. It's just like a very mm. first of all, it's just like a very handsome phrase. And then also it has a lot of application to Star Wars in a broader sense. And oh, yeah. so it's really nicely titled. Yeah, no, I love the fact that you mentioned like all of Star Wars could be called from the desert comes a stranger. Oh, yeah. And it's true. It would make for if you were to rewrite if, if Star Wars were to come out as a as a book now, yeah. that's what it would be. That's probably what it would be called. Uh, Star Wars from the desert comes a stranger. It's really good. It's very good. My number two uh, is the Luke deep fake. Good. Nice. Can I continue? The, yeah, sure. The only reason this isn't my number one is because I just feel like I have to maintain a certain arm's length of reticence about like the ethics of using this technology in films and TV in general. Like it's, it, it's so conceptually eerie that I just have to keep it kind of in a number two slot. Um, it's a visual miracle that they're able to pull it off to this effect uh, and to invite fans into their own past so immersively and so convincingly is beautiful. It's kind of the essence of Star Wars, fantasy storytelling in general, certainly fan service if we're allowing that that dirty word. Um, and they did a more amazing job here than we've ever seen it. And that whole penultimate episode of the season uh, was a wonder in no small part, thanks to Luke Skywalker having been recreated from ones and zeros, from the ground up, from nothing. It's amazing that we live in this time. Yeah, the fact that Mark Hamill didn't return, it's all just generated through past work yeah. and his face. And it is... Like, yes, it, somebody was a stand-in, but it is remarkable that we're this much further along than we were just a couple of years ago. And it is so much better. And it makes me so pleased to see because it allows you to be more immersed. Uh, and I know there is still the uncanny valley for some people. And I guess kind of the first time you watch it, you're like, oh, my God, how is this even happening? But the rewatchability of this is so much higher. Mm -hmm than the rewatchability of moments in the even the the final moments at the end of mando season two like i i almost prefer to like i would love a a, a cut of that episode with shamook's ending yeah the the youtuber who they hired to make a loop because it's it's able to give you kind of that immersion where you're not taken away from it for a quick second or just for fuck's sake i don't know how many times i've said this please dear god lucasfilm and disney change rogue one yeah fix you it. don't need I, I don't need you to fix peter cushing sure while you're in there tinkering do what you want i think he looked pretty damn good but you have one and a half seconds of a really really shitty carrie fisher mm -hmm. leia weird uh deep it, it looks bad and in like it, it has aged really it looks, poorly. It looks worse over time yeah it, it looks really bad uh, and then you have something like this in Book of Boba Fett or even what we saw in The Rise of Skywalker. And it just it gets you so excited about uh, it gets you a little worried about the potential of what they could do. But it also gets you yeah. really excited at the same time uh, because it's able to give you episodes like this that just completely blow your socks off. Where do you come down on the on the ethics of this? Obviously, they they probably have Mark Hamill's blessing, although they don't need it because they own Luke Skywalker. But like, what do you think about them making a new movie that sort of stars James Dean. Well, it, it, it is something that I think they would likely need um, Mark Hamill's blessing for use of his face that is not Star Wars. Uh, so I think they're using probably... It is Star Wars. It's owned by Lucasfilm. No, my... Yes, but my guess is they're using source Mark Hamill uh, from the 80s that is not star Wars. That's just my guess. Maybe um, like, like, they have a lot of Mark Hamill, but they don't have as much as maybe they could. Now the um, apparently the radio uh, dramas of the star Wars, which I adore the, uh, the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, Mark Hamill does the voice. That in, helps. Uh, I think two of them, maybe three of them. I think two, just two of them, uh, but he does it in a new hope and empire. And those are way longer. Uh, Return of the Jedi is like maybe five minutes longer than the actual movie. Whereas I think uh, a new hope is like six hours or five and a half hours. Awesome. But you have so much Luke Skywalker talking from the seventies yeah. and eighties and talking in the galaxy far, far away and saying lines 
uh, in like different cadences than maybe you're used to. And so it's just like that right there is a huge source bank that they're pulling from. Uh, but in terms of the ethics of it all, I have no idea. I really feel like you, the having the person's permission means, Everything. yeah, go for it. hundred, a hundred percent. Uh, but someone who's passed away, uh, I think someone like Peter Cushing, it's a little less weird because he was cool. He was, he gave his blessing in his lifetime to be Grand Moff Tarkin. Right. Uh, he had agreed to be Grand Moff Tarkin. And so his estate is able to, I believe, make probably a fair assessment as to what his wishes would be. He agreed to be this character. And maybe he, like, unless he vocally despised it, which is not the case, um, then it, uh, it makes sense that his estate would be like, yeah, sure, we're okay with this. But in the case of like James Dean, being his face being used in, in movies nowadays yeah, he where he would have no involvement in whatsoever. He didn't sign playing, on to be like the lead in two rebel, two cause or, or some like, yeah, other movie that had nothing to do with him. Exactly. And what is he playing? Is he like, are they going to cast him in a role that he, maybe he doesn't agree with. Maybe right. there's something controversial about the character. And like, it just, it opens a whole can of worms that isn't fair to using that person's face in terms of the rights of it. So I think that's where the kind of the line should be maybe drawn is the person, if they, if they didn't agree to be deep faked to like all hell in their life, like signed a contract in, into their estate and like, Hey, get me as much work as I can after I die yeah. so that it's great for the estate. Like put me in everything. If they don't have that, then I think you should go based off of Oh, Carrie Fisher. Okay, you're you're putting her daughter in in her place, and for a couple seconds in a movie to be Leia and a character that she loved, do it. Uh, someone who's agreed to be that character, that's that's different. But I think it's it's a different can of worms if they have no idea about the role they're playing. We have done enough episodes of this podcast that we could be deep faked if anybody cares. Our voices, yeah, our voices for sure. I don't know. We're also on video here on YouTube. Yeah, I guess that's a good I point. Um, maybe glasses will ruin it, so I'll have like a right. weird half glasses outline. <laughs> what Ooh. is your What is your number two? Uh, my number two. So I went a little bit more granular than you, as we generally do when we do the highlights. Uh, and I went with the the Luke and Grogu backpack montage and training sequence. Nice. Uh, so the fact that it is the same backpack, uh, some incredible Star Wars fans did the the side by sides to determine that it is the same backpack he used with Yoda. Uh, and just the fact that you got Grogu standing on one foot, uh, Luke carrying him with the force. Uh, that was a really cute little sequence when they're having their conversation about Yoda. Um, and then uh, he touches them and they do the order 66 flashback. Yeah. Uh, and then he puts him in his back and like uh, they climb a tree together. And it's, just, it's, it's a wonderful callback to everything original trilogy that I just love. The Dagobah sequences between Luke and Yoda are my favorite things in Star Wars. And I love Grogu. And he's just the lifeblood of new Star Wars these days. And the return of Luke Skywalker in this new cool way. And the fact that you have him doing him up to his same old tricks, but moving at this incredible speed. So it's a technological feat. The fact that he's swinging a saber and hop skipping in a jump and it's not just a oh my head is slightly tilted down and i'm going to reveal my face and stand in one spot yeah and like you're just deep faking that no you're you're absolutely recreating um an active mark hamill with this six million dollar robot in his backpack yet it makes you like this is it's just, it's all digital. It's all fake. Mm -hmm. There's nothing real about it. Right. And yet it is so real and it, it does is so real. heartwarming and it is so, um, just, uh, I guess what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, nostalgia inspiring. Yeah. And so I think that is just such an incredible feat that you're able to pull that off with props and, um, trickery in, in the computer. So Every it time I so cool every see. time I see Grogu, I'm surprised by how cute he is. It's like mm. I've I've seen him so many times now, and it never stops surprising me how cute they have made him. <laughs> They've been so successful in that, and I adore when Luke and Grogu are walking along, and and Luke is using the Force to keep Grogu up. 
It's, just, mm-hmm. it's the funniest little subtlety, and it's just so cute every time I see it. Yeah, this is a yeah. this is similar to what I just said, but the specifics of the design of it is mm-hmm. is really special. Yeah, absolutely. And then of course, and then within that, you also get the uh, the little. Oh, I'm going to give you a little bit of PTSD with the with the Order 66 flashback. I did forget uh, about that. And that and, was super cool. Yeah, and I think that is one of the big question marks of this whole season of TV. Like, it just gives us, like, five seconds, but I'm going to need to know more about what happened then. Yes, and we never really talked about it, I don't think, on the podcast, but uh, Ahsoka was framed... Uh, her, by her friend Barriss Offi, who was another Jedi Padawan. She was framed during the Clone Wars uh, and she was tried and she was found guilty. And then uh, eventually it was uh, like uh, Anakin was able to clear her name, but she left the Jedi Order anyway. Uh, Barriss Offi's uh, symbol uh, is seen on the door, right? Like it, her oh, like quarters. Like it, it's a sort of thing that it's like, is this just Dave Filoni intentionally being a tool and being like, I, I'm going to make this take place outside of Barris's room mm-hmm. so that people get distracted. Yeah. Um, because people have been really curious about what's Barris's fate. Uh, and Barris was this, people have assumed, uh, and I think rightfully so that she has the fate. Uh, she probably has become an inquisitor, mm. but I think it's likely that she will her. That's like a death arc, eater, I guess. A little bit, yeah, sort of yeah. in that kind of way, yeah. The bad guys, um, yeah. And and so I'll be. It'll be very uh, interesting to see how she returns. Um, but it would be surprising if somebody of a dark side intent were the one who saved Grogu. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could kind of be interesting to see if he, uh, if Palpatine maybe had his 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 hands on Grogu, and yeah. then actually uh, this is something that I, uh, I i i forget where i heard it but i heard somebody theorize it uh, and they said that it wouldn't be shocking if that was indeed the case and that uh, the bad batch was sent to rescue grogu mm. uh, and that he ends up in and because the bad batch are pretty intertwined in the underworld at the moment uh, but they're with a good conscience and they're doing kind of extraction missions for people. And uh, it just, it just seems like a, a very fitting thing that you could be kind of the, the big uh, inciting event of maybe season two of the bad batches, a Grogu rescue mission. I like it. That's very cool. Well, I'm, I'm at number one uh, and it's kind of something that you already hit on, although I'm going to look at it a little bit differently. You said uh, the reunion of Din and Grogu for me, the number one thing is, is Grogu specifically choosing the way strangely i think that this is like the essential question of the mandoverse is grogu a jedi or a mandalorian uh that they tackled it in like a b plot of someone else's show is always going to be the most baffling thing in the book of boba fett we talked about that a lot but in terms of grogu's story i'm just happy that they did the crowd pleasing thing like we said before they didn't make us wait not all of star wars has to be about whether or not your precious character chooses the thing that you don't want them to choose because that's what's going on with Luke and, and Vader. It's what's going on with uh, with Ray and Kylo. It's what's certainly what's going on with Anakin and and Palpatine. Not every Star Wars story has to be about your your precious character choosing the thing that you don't want them to choose, even if the thing that they you don't want them to choose is actually a good thing too, which in this case would be Luke Skywalker. They didn't belabor it. It's oddly satisfying. And also like specifically the chain mail that he's wearing the chain. It's so cute and that mm-hmm. he like puts it on and they've that Mando has gone out of his way to have him made his own like essentially Boba Fett gear is is terrific. And so, yeah, the, the hug is good, but it's specifically what they've done for the story of how to reunite them that that pleased me. Yeah, it was really nice the way that they did it. Having Yoda's lightsaber there was cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and just overall, it it made it made a lot of sense as to Luke giving Grogu the option and Grogu choosing to go back to Din. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And also, Grogu's still so young, mm-hmm. and he will become a Jedi. Absolutely, yes. There's no two ways about it. Grogu will become a Jedi because he will outlive Din by 900 years. Right. And so he can do whatever the hell he wants in those 900 years after his dad dies because mm-hmm. he can hang out with him. Although you do and... have to learn the, the Jedi order young. Like historic, like traditionally, you, you it's better to teach you when you're a baby. 
there's going to be no Jedi Order of True. the same kind because uh, Luke well, was first of all, It's going to be it's going to be all gone. Yeah. Uh, the only Jedi left will be Rey. Right. And um, maybe Ahsoka or, or who knows, but it's going to be people who know that the old Jedi way was wrong. Yeah. And someone like Grogu, who has the dark saber uh, and had been trained by Luke Skywalker and was part of the Jedi temple. I don't know. I think he's probably got some clout as to saying like, yeah, I've decided to return to being a Jedi. Did anyone have a problem with that? Yeah. I've got the dark saber and you know, Luke <laughs> was my match. Like, like, <laughs> anyway, like, otherwise uh, just like forever hold your peace. Does it occur to you uh, he's too small, even in his full grown state to wield the dark saber, which is like the size of a hockey stick. No, I need him to wield the dark saber okay. because that will be hilarious. Yeah, it'll be good. They'll make it <laughs> yes, work. He will ha he'll have to use both hands, of course. Yeah, um, like a claymore. Or, yeah, or maybe, to be to be honest, maybe the dark saber will uh, get broken and then the kyber crystal will be reused and he'll make a new smaller dark saber. Sure. <laughs> that is probably more likely. Yeah, or they could just find like a, a way to not protract the blade as long or something it is a light beam oh like consider you, like you are able you are able to do that with lightsabers there you go yeah they do uh that's what that's some of the great little things about rebels is you learn like a lot about how lightsaber construction works <laughs> okay well i don't have any idea what your number one is going to be i think it is notable uh to say now that we have not talked about tomorrow morrison really at all <laughs> or i know or fennec shan so even once um, no, we haven't. No, or the bar or anything, but like I don't know. Uh, get lay it on me. What's your number one thing about the book of Boba Fett? Uh, nothing to do with Fennec Shand or Boba Fett. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> my my number one uh, is actually the the wisdom of Ahsoka, uh, and that would be the fact that she is the one who ensures Din doesn't go and see Grogu. Mm. She is the one who is kind of guiding him through that process and is like, hey, how's it going? We've met before, but uh, I'm going to be here to, to shepherd you on, on your fatherly journey and a, to, to learn a little bit about attachment. Let's have a little Star Wars lesson about attachment here, Din. Right. Uh, and it's just she is sharing so much with him. Uh, and at the same time, then she's able to have the best conversation ever with Luke. Uh, it's brief and we need to hear more about their reunion. Mm -hmm. uh, but the kind of subtleties that she's talking about uh, with Anakin and about how he's like his father. Uh, and as they're talking about Grogu, as he, as they're watching him train and just hopping around, uh, she uh, just, I thought Rosario Dawson uh, killed it even more than uh, the appearance in Mando season two. I thought this was more Ahsoka than ever. I think she's been really watching lots of Clone Wars. The mannerisms are insane. Oh, good. It's I'm glad the, to know that. That's cool. Oh, absolutely. I've seen some stills of, uh, in particular, uh, the arm crossing. And when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, yes, it's the Ahsoka arm cross. It's, it's the high, like she, she crosses her arms very high. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's very noticeable. And they're like, it's something that you, it, it's cartoony the way she crosses her arms. Sure. And so the fact that no human would just do it in that exact, it, it's just, it's, it's subtleties and it's just, it's something that you can appreciate. And it shows that this is somebody who has learned so much over so much time. And she's a character with such story and such connection to the Skywalkers. And so to see her be able to reunite with R2 and to reunite with Luke and reunite with Din, it's just as kind of this, shepherd of the Mandoverse and the Filoni-verse and uh, to a lot of Star Wars fans. So I thought uh, it was some really excellent Ahsoka and it gets me so excited for that TV show. Yeah, so. and in terms of her role in the Mandoverse, I just think it was really smart of them to reestablish her just to like remind yeah. the greater viewership, like this person really matters. Like, don't forget about this character who like, other than Luke, who you're not going to see that much more. Uh, this this character is like the the wisest Jedi in this timeline. And so if you want Jedi shit, like this this person is a very critical character that you should probably bone up on. Yeah, I mean, I would say easily the most wise force user, definitely more wise than Luke, but not, I would say in terms of raw power, probably not as, as, as like maybe from a Skywalker bloodline. But I think that's also going to be um, maybe a bit of a problem is uh, whatever takes her away is something that uh, I think is is, is going to be sorely missing for Luke. I think that is going to be maybe Ahsoka's greatest mistake is the fact that she abandons Anakin's Anakin. son the yeah. kind of the same way she abandons Anakin. 
Well, maybe um, she'll so, maybe she'll remedy that choice this time. Maybe she'll have learned. I guess we'll see. Well, I just I, what I, I wonder is the fact that my point is that Luke's Jedi Academy crumbles, and so I wonder if we see an older Ahsoka um, being as like almost well with Ray, but like really, really wise, like the way Yoda has failed so much. Yeah, and so an, an Ahsoka who's failed on uh, even another level but at the same time accomplished so much because i assume the ahsoka show is going to be about uh, bringing ezra back and i'm sure there's going to be many triumphs and in, in defeating thrawn and, and it, whatnot it would be cool to be able to draw a direct line between ray and anakin which we can't mm. even do with luke because luke didn't know anakin but we could do that through ahsoka oh. well, luke did know anakin uh, like a little. Oh, but not really. Like he he knew Vader, and then Vader died five minutes after turning good. Like I mean, like to yeah. know that the Jedi warrior who was like legendary and who trained Ahsoka and like had all this great promise, like Anakin Skywalker. Like mm -hmm. the the easier line to draw there is Ahsoka, and like maybe she will yes. be a sage who can actually counsel an older Ray. That could be useful. Yeah, I think that could be very cool. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Ahsoka becomes some sort of Time Lord as well. So, <laughs> Could she be present in Obi-Wan Kenobi? Is that out of the question? Uh, that would, uh, she's probably in some form of, well, hiding. no, because Obi-Wan's the one in hiding. She would be at this point, um, she would be part of the Rebel Alliance. That happens at the end of the Ahsoka book. So uh she could it's yeah. not incredibly outside the question i think there's a higher chance that she appears in a in a in a flashback but then they would have to recast her uh right. at a younger age so maybe not that wouldn't make a ton of sense to do that in live action okay some honorable mentions season one book of boba fett yeah didn't make some great cut. stuff um mock shays was awesome uh that's the the uh the the mayor oh uh, yeah just the 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 uh, menacing nature, although it didn't have the same follow through that I was hoping for. It did not but follow through for me, but the design very, of it was cool. Yeah, and very cool execution with, um, oh, geez, I'm off on my words today. Uh, Rodriguez's um, voice, Robert Rodriguez's yeah, yeah. voice. Uh, Tashi Station, mm, having nice. a fixer and cami there, that was really cool. Uh, and having Boba do a bunch of badassery and just beating up the Nikto gang in there. That was that, that was, was all really you. Cool you 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 were the only one who really got the full effect of satisfaction from that. Although them just saying Tashi Station was cool. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know anybody who's uh, seen the deleted scenes of A New Hope a lot has uh, would love that. Okay. Uh, Boba crafting his gaffy stick. That was pretty damn cool. Sure. I mean, of all of the Tuscan stuff, and we haven't talked about Tuscans at all in this episode either. There were some cool Tuscan Raider things. And I guess the coolest yeah. thing was like the actual ceremony. Like how about when he like took acid and like had a weird trip in the <laughs> desert? That was like a weird thing. And he got hugged by a tree. And... Yeah. That was a really bizarre thing that happened in the season that like didn't really change him that much from what we could see but it seemed so important at the time. I thought it was well uh, uh, filmed. Like I thought it looked really good mm -hmm. in terms of cinema, but I don't know that it had a great uh, significance to the story. I don't know. He became pretty different after that, certainly. I don't know. I don't know. Passive. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But we don't have like a huge foundation no. for him being brutal in live action. Not as Tamara Morrison. Not really. Well, we, we do, but after this point. Sure. So it yeah, doesn't line that's up. That's what right. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the seismic charge blowing up the Sarlacc once and for all mm. was awesome. Yeah. That was I, like number seven or eight. That one just missed the cut because that was really, really cool. Well, you talked about the Sarlacc. I think that you can you can loop in the demise of the Sarlacc as as yeah. part of because it's just a cool fan service. And like, yeah, let's let's kill the son of a bitch. That's not going to hurt my feelings at all. Uh, Din struggling to wield the dark saber. That was pretty cool, just mm. in terms of how much he sucked with it. <laughs> the whole, the whole, uh, I guess you could call it like a training montage on that platform in space was such a mm. breath of fresh air for the the series. And involving the two other Mandalorians was like, it was it was pretty cool. I like those. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say is, is the next honorable mention is the return of the armorer and then the duel with Paz Vizsla. Those mm. were really awesome scenes and the armorer, everything she says is poetry. So that's always very cool. That's very true. Yep. 
the melting of the spear and, and the chain mail, of course. Um, the Night of a Thousand Tears, seeing the flashback to that. Sure. The TIE bombers and yeah. the KX droids. That was very, very cool. Uh, I was happy to see that. Or not happy, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, the BD series droid, uh, the Peli had. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, it was great to see that in live action. Those are the cutest little droids around. I'm really surprised they have used as much Amy Sedaris as they have in Star Wars over the last couple of years. But like I said, it took me a little while, but I've actually warmed up to her quite a bit. It, uh, completely in the same boat. Yeah. I uh, did take me a little while, but I'm 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 liking her now. Uh, Return of Carson Teva. That was excellent. Yeah, happy to see him. And uh, we need more um, Paul Sunhan Lee and uh, Star Wars. So, Scorpion droids. They were great. Um, the line is that a bench? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Proceeds to lie down on it. It was it was a bench. Yeah. Is that all you got? Uh, and the last ones would be um, the flying frogs. Mm -hmm. When they're oh, levitating that was all cool. the frogs. That's a, I should have that maybe considered really that one. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of showing Grogu. Look what you could do. You right. could levitate all the frogs. <laughs> um, and then R2 uh, tricking Din. I thought that was just funny. Yeah. By taking him to Ahsoka instead of Luke. Can we do the news in five minutes? Yeah. Uh, in the news, uh, there are uh, kind of leaks and stuff coming out about obi-wan and so I'm, I'm kind of avoiding them because there's there's not enough there that i want stuff spoiled uh and i've seen some stuff that is like oh that's a little bit more plot than is a than is a little leak so i don't really want to talk too much about anything there okay um just in the sense that when you have a show that's only five or six episodes and you find out what may be the the plot of three of them you don't want to share that <laughs> how about john williams though john williams is going to finally score an obi-wan theme yes john williams uh so that is really encouraging uh to the original obi-wan theme that john williams created is the force theme right so he created that called the obi-wan theme uh but it just makes a lot of sense to use that for all jedi and so it's good to finally get uh, him back for this uh the same way he did for solo uh, i'm not sure if he's is he doing i think he's just doing the theme so I'm, i don't think he's scoring the show probably yeah uh, but that's uh that's kind of all that matters in being able to give it that star warsy flair that you're looking for uh one bit of uh info that i will say about the show is that we will likely see the return of uh or there's potential for us to see the return of uh, vader's mentor who lurks in the shadows uh ian mcdermott was talking about uh that uh it's not outside the question oh, that he wow. could be in this wow uh, so it wouldn't be a very big role i imagine but I mean, that I would guess. be great why to see not? him return. I hadn't even really yeah, thought about sense. it. But yeah, it does make perfect sense. I don't know why it didn't occur to me, considering like he just came back for Star Wars a couple years ago. He's obviously into it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that it's who's going to be sending him on whatever mission to find and kill Obi-Wan. Well, Palpatine. Well, yeah. and so if there's a, a, my guess is just because we know Inquisitors are going to be involved that Inquisitors will fail Obi-Wan will kill one or two of them and then one of them will come limping back and then Vader will have to go and, and do the job or something. Right. And there'll be some punishments issued down by Palpatine where he's pissed off at some people and uh, maybe do a little mental torture to Vader and uh, doing some maybe connecting the dots between events of episode three and future events of episode six, just uh, some, some foreshadowing because he's someone who sees all, I don't know. There's just so much potential you can do with Palpatine. Uh, if you do him uh, less dirty than you did him in rise of Skywalker. Well, and maybe one of those inquisitors will be that Barris person you were talking about. Like there's an opportunity in this era to show us a little bit more of what order 66 did aside from just assassinate a bunch of people. That's my pick for who Moses Ingram is, actually. Yeah. I think I think there's a chance Moses Ingram is Barriss Afi oh, cool. uh, because we believe she is uh, an Inquisitor. We think it's Sung Kang is an Inquisitor and, and uh, Moses Ingram and, and maybe maybe somebody else. And maybe, uh, oh, and uh, Rupert Friend. It's believed that oh, yeah. uh, all three of them are Inquisitors and that Rupert Friend is the Grand Inquisitor okay. who uh, was voiced by... Um, so Lucius Malfoy. Uh, the grand, who do you mean? Oh, head death, death eater. eater. Abso yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Great comparison. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. 
but I think it was voiced by David Oyelowo. And, uh, and so oh, the, cool. but Rupert Friend is a very on the nose, um, menacing. We've seen him as a bald guy before, um, put in some spiky teeth and, and you have the Grand Inquisitor. So that that's that's pretty good. Right on. Cool. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm very excited for that. And it's coming fast in May. Wow. Yes, I know. It's just right around the corner. And yeah. so that's really all the things that are in the news. Uh, there's been some uh, some toys that were leaked, uh, a Vader lightsaber and an Obi-Wan lightsaber toy. Okay. Um, so it's uh, Lego sets are coming out. Uh, that's where the, the things are going to be. Information is probably going to be revealed. But no, not, not uh, much information because what we've got coming right around the corner, everybody's waiting for a trailer. And that's the, the thing that we're missing. Speaking of Star Wars Lego, like the early rub on this new game that's coming out, this new video game, is that it's amazing that it's like completely open world and that it is very expansive apparently this Mm. game is going to be phenomenal uh yeah no absolutely uh the reason why i was just uh paused for a second there colin is because i when you said uh lucius malfoy it got me thinking oh my god i got it backwards david yellow is um uh agent callus in the show uh, and the reason why I was kind of thrown off there is because Jason Isaacs is actually the voice of, no way. of the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, he is. And that's the reason as to why I was I had to double check that because I was like, oh, my God, wait a minute. Is he actually? And I just it, I had to double that's check. And yes, so it's Jason weird. Isaacs. That almost feels like a meta casting, too. Like, let's get Jason Isaacs. See, we already know he can do exactly this. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it's, it's spot on. A lot of people actually uh, used to fan cast him as Thrawn, and he would have right. been a good Thrawn as well uh, sure. before Lars Mikkelsen was slammed down. But yeah, sorry, back to the Skywalker video game, and it uh, looks uh, incredible. Just the perfect amount of fun and silly, but also like maybe it'll be kind of like the essential Skywalker video game for for the time being. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just uh, so much you can apparently do, and it's been delayed for so long that that's it doesn't seem like it, it was delayed for bad reasons it's not getting bad rep for that no. so the, i guess the transparency has been good enough that uh, people are, are pretty excited and so I, i'm i'm quite excited for it i don't have my birthday calendar so i'll, I'll catch up on those next time uh if you have uh, a top six list let us know your favorite things about the book book about buffet obviously we've complained and kind of criticized a little bit but yeah by and large we liked it and so like tell us the things you liked about it they don't have to be specifically Boba Fett. You can email recorder66podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet us at recorder66. Uh, as always, rate and review on your preferred podcast app. And if you're joining us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. Until we are together again, may the force be with you. Be with you.